So um, here with me are some friends, and we're going to talk about the theme of hospitality. Now at Grace Long Beach, we've been exploring uh, this theme of hospitality, of really what does it look like to, to live lives that, that are marked by, by God's welcome and both being people who, who receive the gracious and inviting welcome of God, but also people who are um, extending that welcome uh, beyond ourselves to others and to strangers. Uh, and so when I thought about who are some people that embody uh, this idea of welcome, of having a posture of hospitality, um, these three friends here are those types of people, and specifically um, because they they are people who have taken the risk of truly welcoming the stranger, the stranger um, that, that has come to them in in really the, the form of displaced children through foster and adoption. And so my friends, uh, Jeremy, Jeff, and Eugene are here with me to talk about this. And we're going to have a conversation um, about, yeah, what does it look like to be people who are defined by the welcome of God and live into it? So I guess, friends, um, as a way to get started, I thought it'd be good because I don't want to assume that you know everybody listening to this would know you and know your voice, but you all have wonderful voices. But um, I, I think it would be good to to have you share um, really your name and and then also um, your wife, and if you can, in whatever way you can, describe some biographical information as it relates to to foster care and adopt, like how many children perhaps you have in your home currently, if you fostered before, um, if you have adopted, and and I know that when we talk about these things, like it's it, we need to be very cautious not to use names and not to give out too much information, and and so um, listeners, I, I want you to be aware that if if it sounds sometimes like like um, these these people are being vague. It's not because they don't want to share. It's it's truly because they they can't and and they're not supposed to. So, um, I guess Jeremy, why don't we why don't we start with you? If you can give us some some sense of who you are and um, what you're doing. Sure. Thanks. Uh, I'm Jeremy Bear. My wife is Carrie. We began fostering um, a four year old uh, four years ago, and he's still with us. He's eight now, and over that time, over the last four years, um, his two biological sisters have joined us and they are 12 and 13. And uh, honestly, they're the only children we've ever fostered, but we are in the process of adopting those kids now, which we're thrilled about. Um, and, and no, by the way, uh, the, the four year process isn't necessarily typical, but, uh, that's every case is different and, uh, we're, yeah, we're, We've got, we've got, uh, we've got the three that we've got, and we're thrilled. It's wonderful. Thanks, Jeremy. So we're going to move to Jeff. I'm Jeff Gray, and my wife is Kelly. Um, more people would probably know her than me because I'm just quite a little introvert. But um, we we have uh, two biological daughters who are ten, and then uh, our son uh, we adopted through foster care. Um, he, he was with us since he was, uh, six days old and now he's seven years old. Um, but that also like, like Jeremy is, took a while, not as, not as long as, uh, what the bears are experiencing, but it took 
about three years in that process too, which also atypical. So now we got two examples that are atypical examples, but <laughs> either way. So that's, that's the makeup of our family. Which seems like the whole process. Yeah. Long process, long process, but the process continues in, in other ways. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into that for sure. So Eugene. I'm Eugene. My wife is Esther. She's my better half. Uh, so for us, uh, biological children never came. Um, and not really sure why we, we always wanted to adopt, uh, at some point. So then we figured, um, Hey, why don't we foster? And if at least adoption will adopt us. So then we've been fostering now for uh, in a couple months, it'll be five years. Uh, so we fostered four kids total. The first one reunified with his birth parents after eight months. Uh, the second one, Cody, we eventually adopted. Uh, that process took about two years. Uh, he is now four years old. And we currently have two other foster children living with us. Uh, so we have uh, one who's going to turn two very soon. And we have a seven month old that we took in uh, this past month. So uh, we're in the, the thick of it right now. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> whether they're going to stay with us or not, uh, kind of the story changes uh, week to week, month to month. So, uh, so we'll see. And that seems to be part of this process, right? So we've already gotten there, which is it's, it takes... It takes a lot longer than you probably imagine it will when you get into it. And and then there are some surprises along the way. Um, and and I guess at the outset, I just also want to name, so we're having this conversation about really parenting, about foster and adopt, and we're here four guys talking about it, which I think is so wonderful, right? I mean, it, it, you already described that, that there could be a whole other half of you represented in terms of the the work that has gone into it but i think um that this is you guys provide a really interesting perspective and i guess part of that perspective i'm interested in is is this um in thinking about you in particular like what has what inspired your heart um for displaced children of wanting to welcome in welcome in children sure surely there's a family component but as you think about your own personal component um, how how was your heart inspired to do that? And so that's open to anybody who might want to to jump in and answer that question, and and certainly would love for to hear from all of you. Yeah, well, I th I think you're right that it is it is probably atypical to have a bunch of foster dads talking about it. Um, you know, it's uh, my wife and I were talking about this recently. The, the fact that um, usually the dad is the holdout. And I, by the way, I don't I don't know that that's necessarily true with. Jeff and Eugene. It was definitely true in our family. I was the, I was the holdout, you know, I was not sure about this whole foster thing for a while. Um, nine years ago, our, uh, uh, we, we lost our children. Um, as in my, we were, had three boys and, uh, we, we, we lost them. And there was a, a big part of me that was like, I don't want to expose myself to any kind of pain like that ever again anymore as it's too much. Uh, but I couldn't deny that. Well, there was a couple of things going on. One, there's this need to try and figure out what's, can there be some sort of work that can be done on the other side of 
heartbreak and tragedy like that. And we just, we talked about it and the more and more we talked about it, uh, it just seemed like this whole idea of, uh, just the tens of thousands of displaced children in Los Angeles County alone is just this is this undeniable need. And, um, I guess the more my wife and I talked about it, Carrie was much, much more forceful about the whole thing. But eventually I came around to just this whole idea of like, yeah, absolutely. If we, if we can do something, we should do something. And, um, we have this, we have the ability. So, um, you know, let's, let's go through it. We took a much longer than is typical to go through all the foster training because of how resistant I was. But, um, you know, uh, you, then you meet these children and, you know, lo and behold, they're actual children with, you know, with, with all the, all the issues and traumas and things that, that children have and all the wonderful things and all the difficult things and all that. And so we, uh, yeah, that's, that's how we landed there. For, uh, myself, uh, I, I kind of, to be honest, I, I kind of give, um, you know, deference to what Esther wants in a sense, right? Because um, she has to deal with a lot of the burden of, of handling three kids. So last month we got a call for a baby and then I came downstairs, I'm working at home now and I came, I came downstairs and she told me about this and then we're like, you know, it's my lunch break. And then we're just talking through everything. How are we going to handle nap time with a four-year-old, a two-year-old and a seven-month-old? And how are we going to do all this? Are you going to... And so uh, we're just kind of figuring out the logistics and everything. And then uh, and then in the end, I was like, I'm okay with it. But it's, it's kind of like up to... It's kind of like, you know, can you handle it, right? Like when I'm working and like, we're very lucky. She's able to work. Uh, she's able to be at home right now. So then... So I kind of like left it up to her a little bit and like, I'm okay with it. <laughs> so I don't know if that was kind of how the conversation went. Um, but for us, I don't know, a, a couple comments I would make is like, uh, number one, for us, it was, uh, it was never this, I never felt this feeling like of, like I need, there's this the thing missing and I need to have kids. I don't know. I, I know some people are like that and they, they feel like, hey, they want to have kids and that they, 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 they want to build a family. I was kind of like, Hey, if we never have kids, that's cool. Right. And we can, we can use our money to travel and all this other stuff. Disposable income. Um, you may as well keep it. <laughs> yeah. What is that now? Uh, so, um, but then, you know, it was kind of like, okay, you know, like, um, it, part of it is very simple. Like there's, there's kids who need a place to stay and they need a family. And we can offer that, right? So it, it's almost like a simple, like, okay, why don't we do it, right? Like, why, why not? You see a need, and it's, and it's there, um, and it's just—I don't know how to explain it. Like, past that, right? It's like, hey, this kid needs a home. I can provide it, and so let's do it, right? And um, and part of it is uh, is very like uh, mundane. I feel like it sounds like kind of. A, sometimes more significant, but when it comes down to day to day, like I'm changing diapers, I'm, I'm feeding, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm putting kids to sleep and stuff. And it's stuff that people have done like for, for millennia, right? Like in all of human history is what they've done. Right. And so what we're, what I feel like we're doing is not like 
day to day, it's, it's very mundane and it's, you know, it's what everybody has done. I think one of the things that, that you both touched on that, that I want to point out is that, and especially as it's connected to hospitality and at least cultivating that posture is that it's, I think it's easy to think that it's calculated, right? Like, Oh, I have this, I have this vision of what it will be, or I have this idea of, 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 um, oh, I'm, I want to be hospitable. So therefore I'm going to foster. That doesn't sound like your like either of your experiences. Um, but rather it came in, it came in front of you and then you were left with the struggle of, okay, what, well, what do I do with this? I mean, does that sound right? Like it wasn't calculated. It just seemed like it almost, it took you by surprise in a way. Yeah, I think in a way, I mean, I, I, I can tell you that for me, it wasn't, uh, I don't know. I, I don't have a good way of saying it, but it wasn't, it really wasn't even like this spiritual transformation or anything like that. It was just a, a really just sort of like a, yeah, you know, why, I guess why wouldn't we do that? I mean, you know, I, it's just, it didn't really feel, I, I, here's maybe a better way to put it. It didn't feel like a calling or something like that, or mm -hmm. it didn't feel like this, this force that was like, you know, boy, we're special people in a really, really special circumstance. And let's just take hold of it. It just kind of felt like, I mean, we're able to, uh, let's, maybe we should just do that. <laughs> and that's what you were saying, Eugene, right? It's like that sense of, okay, it, it's, we have, we have this space, we have this ability to, to give. And so almost why not? I mean, do you, do you connect with what Jeremy just said about that idea? Like it didn't feel like a calling so much as just a, um, almost like a response yeah, I would say that, but I would also just add like, um, it's definitely, okay. So there's definitely like a step you have to take. There's a lot of preparation to become a foster parent, right? So it took us maybe like six months to go through all the trainings and, uh, you know, they got to inspect our home and they got to inspect us and do background checks and everything like that. Right. Um, but I, rem I still remember there was, uh, we got a call one night and for our first foster son and we had, uh, uh, so we had a crib ready cause we knew we were going to get a kid between like zero and two years old or something like that. Uh, and, uh, and we got a call that we were going to get a kid the next morning or the next day. Mm. And so I remember at night I was staring at this crib and I was like, what is going to, what is going to fill this crib? Like, I have no idea. Right. So it, it could be any story. It could be any, like, um, it could be crazy. It could be like <laughs> easy. It could be like messy. I have no idea. Is this kid going to have like all kinds of special needs or what, what kind of needs are there going to be? And I just remember thinking that that was like the, it was like the biggest step of faith I've taken. It was like, what is God gonna fill this with? Right. And I had no idea. And then I just, it, it felt like, okay, whatever comes is going to come. And then it just, you know, and then it came and then, you know, and then just kept, kept going from there. And it, it's kind of like happened that every single time. Like, okay, we, we get a call and they don't know, they don't usually know a whole lot of details, right? They know the name, they know the age, maybe the ethnicity, but they don't know a whole lot else. They know the reason for detaining. And then it's kind of like, okay, we say yes. And then we just got, we got to see what shows up. So it, it feels like, I don't know. Uh, there's a bit of like, we plan and re prep for this, 
but in terms of where it leads, it's just like, okay, whatever comes is going to come, you know, and we got to deal with it. Wow. That, yeah, that image of the empty, of the empty crib is a powerful one, knowing that it's going to be, that it's going to be filled and yet having no idea what that actually means. I really appreciate that. So the question we've been uh, discussing and uh, it, that Jeremy and Eugene were able to respond to, and I'd love to hear from you, Jeff, uh, is what yeah what has inspired your heart for displaced children? Why uh, or what moved you? What compelled you? Um, and I'm thinking specifically about you, right? You as an individual, um, and and toward to being a person who's wanted to extend hospitality or God's welcome by way of inviting uh, foster and adopt and, and those children who have been displaced? Yeah, well, I think it was something that I did always kind of want inside, you know, like I had some feeling of like, yeah, adoption and by always like my adult life, I think. But, um, but then, uh, and I think even when I met my wife and, we had, uh, you know, we were just talking about, you know, by the time we got to talking about things of, you know, future plans that lined up and it was like, oh, wow. So it was maybe even like one of those things that drew us closer together of like, okay, we have this similar heart. That said, once, once things got to the point where, okay, now it's time to do this, I think I started getting more resistant, you know, when it started to become more real. And, um, uh, I think maybe part of that is because of, I'm constantly in risk assessment, you know, cause then I was like, okay, no, I want that. But like, it just seems like it's going to really upend our lives and it's going to, it's going to be maybe dangerous or what, what have you. And so I became more and more resistant <laughs> as time went on. So I think there was there was a need to uh, kind of pull me back in and, and tap back into my heart and say, well, remember, remember what you want? I'm like, oh yeah, okay. But, and then, you know, but all those buts would get answered with like things like Jeremy and Eugene were saying of like, you know, there, you know, there was never really a good enough reason where I, I could say like, okay, no, I'm going to, I'm going to ignore what my heart has been telling me and, and just not do this. So um, I don't know. So I think that's, that's it. It was there, but then I needed to be pushed, pushed a little bit more into realizing it, <laughs> realizing it in the sense of realizing it as an actuality, you know? Yeah. I love that. So again, you bring up, it involves risk. And I think maybe because of that, or even, um, it, maybe it's not connected, but it also involves a sense of resistance. Like that, that idea of, of, of opening one's life in that way by default almost helps to, or it doesn't help. It almost forces this, this sense of wanting to close off for whatever reason, right? It might not be bad. It, it could just be because we're human beings and we do all of that risk assessment. Um, and so I guess one of the questions I have as we've been thinking about hospitality, as we've been talking about it at Grace, um, as a way of, of loving the stranger um, and I'm not saying that you've necessarily made this connection, but perhaps you have. But I'm curious, as we've been talking about hospitality and about living into God's welcome, have you connected that 
to foster and adopt. And, and then I guess I'd love to hear what, what you have to say about what's unique about um, foster care, about adopting um, displaced children as a way to love the stranger uh, in our community. So yeah, there are a few things going on there. One is, may, have you connected those dots? Um, even if you haven't, I'm curious to hear how you've thought about uh, foster and adopt in relation to hospitality and loving the stranger. I didn't make the connection with hospitality until you called and said, let's have this conversation. Um, but but since then I was thinking about, it, I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I see, I see this, but then, so I see all those other connections to hospitality of like, I'm, I'm resistant to any type of hospitality. I think for all those same reasons I was with foster care and now making those connections is maybe helping me to realize, oh, okay, I can be more hospitable to the stranger because I have, you know, I have in a, in a difficult way, um, a, a much more risky way than most of the risks that, that I'm resistant to now. <laughs> so I, I think there is a great connection there. And I think it's helpful reminder for me, uh, part of that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I think children are a very specific type of stranger. Um, children that are that are displaced. Um, I think in one sense, like if there's when it's other adults that you're showing uh, love or care, or hospitality to, there is a sense of like you know there's there's kind of a weird sort of humility game sort of going on, and you know um, it's it doesn't. And you've talked about this, Daniel. It's it, it's it doesn't necessarily immediately feel good to be cared for by another person. You, you gotta you have to swallow some pride and all that. But it's it's a it's a completely different thing with kids because they don't see themselves as strangers. You're the stranger, if anyone, you know. And it, it's uh, it's something where um, you know my wife and I were having this discussion the other night where you know there's. You know, it's inevitable that this, you, you have, you have, you have moments, you have frustrated moments. And sometimes my wife and I have to remind ourselves and each other, we don't do this for thanks. We don't do this for appreciation. If, if you're in, if you're in this game for thanks and appreciation, you got to find a different game. <laughs> that's just, that's not, that's not why you do it. Um, because in all honesty, you know, and they, and they tell us this with, um, you know, when you're going through the training to become a foster parent, that uh, children don't necessarily view themselves as lucky to be in your house. Um, they, if anything, they're like, this is ridiculous. This isn't the life that I want. And this is, you know, I don't even, I, I hardly know these people and stuff. You might be doing everything perfectly and, you know, but it's just, it's not the, it's not the life that the kid, that these children want, especially at least not at first. Um, we were talking to our, our kids over dinner tonight. And in fact, I even mentioned to the, to the, to our kids that I, I would be having this discussion. And, uh, and I said, is, is there anything that any of you think that I should mention that people should know about foster care? And, and, um, and they, you know, you could tell they were sort of thinking about it because it's just their reality. You know, it's not like, it's not weird to them anymore, especially since they've been in it so long. And, uh, our 12 year old said, I think people should know that it's really scary at first, but 
you get used to it, <laughs> which is, which is awesome. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it is it's so awesome. perfect. You get used to it, you know? And, and I think that's, that's, they're, they're only looking at it from their own, you know, who's coming into my world type of thing, which is, uh, I said, it's a, it's a long way around the bend to say, um, they're a really specific type of stranger and you just have to know that going in. A couple things come to my mind. Uh, one of them is, uh, one thing that struck me at the beginning of fostering is realizing how these kids have no, nowhere else to go. Right. So like the birth parents, for whatever reason, they just, they don't have anyone else who could take the kids. Um, and it could be because of criminal histories or just general unfitness with other family members or like people are in jail or whatever it is. Right. So I, I know like for myself, like if something happened to me and Esther, you know, I, I would think maybe like my sister or her sister or like our parents might be able to, you know, take in the kids. And there, there's like maybe our cousins, like maybe we knock on Jeremy Bear's house or something like, I don't know. Right. So uh, <laughs> I feel like my kids would have somewhere to go, but then for whatever reason, these, uh, the birth parents, they just have nowhere else to, to put these kids. Right. And so, um, so we've, we've experienced, you know, um, some of these birth parents who are just, um, you know, they're isolated because of that. And then there's, um, you know, I, I find that this uh, this process puts us in contact with people that we would not have any other way of getting in contact with, right? Because um, they just, for whatever reason, they don't have the, the connections out there to, to have another uh, place to put their kids. Um, and so that's one thing that comes to mind. Um, and I do appreciate that, right, about fostering, that it, it exposes me and gives me a chance to, like, connect with people I would never have a chance to like, how am I going to walk down the street and, and meet people like this? Right. Um, and the second thing is, uh, you know, <laughs> and so, uh, I don't know how, how much I'm allowed to share, but I don't think this is sharing too much is that we have a transracial family right now. Right. Mm. So we have, uh, you know, my wife and I were Korean and we have a Caucasian boy and a Hispanic boy and, and a black boy. And, um, I feel like, okay, with all, it's, it's a, in a sense, it, it's, it's causing me to learn a lot, right? Uh, just about, uh, just from uh, the life experiences of pe that people live uh, in different races uh, in, in our country. And, um, you know, I've, I've sought out uh, different advice for, you know, different uh, transracial families. Um, you know, from, from other adoptive parents and, and things like that. So, so I do feel like there's a sense where this is causing me to grow. Right. And I am not done growing. I'm just at the beginning of the growing process. Like I'm going to be figuring this out for a long time. And I think it's going to help me. Uh, it's, it's helped me to like examine myself also, like in, in the relationships that I have, like, you know, why, why, what, why is the racial makeup of, of my friends a certain way? Right. And then, you know, like, uh, in terms of how am I raising these kids in a, in a way, which is gonna, you know, I don't know, how do I be the best parent, parent in this situation? I, you know, it's, it's, asked, it's caused me to ask for wisdom and it's caused me to just, uh, consider different perspectives and, and, and all that. So I feel like it's caused me to grow in, in, in that sense. If you're, if you're applying hospitality to like, learning and and caring for others 
Yeah, I think one of the ideas that that I've been so struck by as I've been thinking about hospitality, but then hearing you puts it in like it, it, and all of you puts it in very specific terms, which is um, often you might start out being the host and then very quickly you turn into a guest. And, and I think that um, and that means to guest to your, you know, in, in some ways you have all been strangers to your own children, um, but then you've been strangers into the, uh, with the different people that are connected to those, uh, to those children. Um, and, and I want to press into a little bit more what, what you were saying, Eugene, and um, is this idea of surprise. And I guess, uh, and I didn't, hadn't thought about this question until now, but um, I'd love to hear um, what surprises have you encountered? Uh, and, and you can answer this. And I know that there are probably a hundred, a hundred thousand stories that I, I have not fostered. I have not adopted. My wife is a social worker who works with foster and adopt. Um, but even still, I have three children, and there are a hundred surprises a day for each child represented. And so I can't even imagine the surprises for each of you. But I am curious if what comes to mind when I ask that question is, so what's, how have you been surprised as you've opened your life up in this way? Um, yeah, what surprises have you encountered? You know, they, they tell you in the, you know, when you're, when you're going through the process of getting certified that, you know, they, they become your children and that, that makes it, and you expect that you're like, well, of course, if you spend enough time with a child, you know, and you're parenting them, of course, you're going to develop a bond, but when it actually happens, it's wild, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's really, really strange. Now I haven't parented biological children of my own. So I don't know exactly what to, and, and Jeff could speak to this way better than I could. So I, I don't know what the difference is, but, um, I do know that there are things that are, they do, you know, sometimes they, they stop you. Like, you know, there's, there's, there's a moment that, you know, where, um, you know, like, uh, a child that's been calling you Jeremy forever one day calls you dad. And it's, it's a, that's a wild moment, you know, because it's, it's, you can tell that there's, there's a shift that happens. And, and there's also, there's other moments like, you know, it's, it's a strange experience to have your children tell you what it was like for them before you, you know, and our kids don't really get into that very much, um, for probably obvious reasons, but still every so often we'll find out some fundamental thing about our kids that every parent would know <laughs> like a really basic thing like, Oh yeah, well, you know, this, this was something, you know, this was, this was part of our growing up and they'll just throw something out there. And you know, it, it's, it, there's a, it's kind of a surreal moment where you step back and you'd be like, how did I not know that about my own child? But you know, that's, it's all, it's all part of it. And it's, you know, it, it's weird. It, it's a, it's a mixture of feelings. It's, uh, I don't know. I think I, I, I've learned to actually really like that part of it, but, uh, but it's strange. You know, there's no way around it. It's weird. I, I was laughing at your question, Daniel, just because, um, <laughs> like we live in a 
right now our life is just all uncertainty. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and so it's kind of like, what's not a surprise? I don't right. know what my family is going to look like in December or January or February, right? So like, how do I, how do I even plan like a vacation, right? So like, how many rooms do I get? Like, how many beds do I need? I don't know, right? <laughs> like, is there going to be, uh, you know, is there going to be a relative that shows up? Or is there, like, going to be a another, like, biological brother, sister that, you know, needs uh, a placement? Or, you know, it's just like, are we going to have a, a visit next week, right? Is that going to happen or not, right? And <laughs> if it does happen, what is going to be the response of the the you know the the child to the visit and it's just like every i feel like everything's uncertainty and everything is is a surprise at this point and it's just kind of like yeah what <laughs> like we just have to like learn to deal with it it's like uh yeah I, I i can't i can't like plan everything right now i just i just gotta go with it and whatever happens happens by the way for for people at home when, when eugene says a visit that's that's a visit with the child is visiting with their biological family. Mm. Sorry, Eugene. I was clarifying for the audience. No, thank you, Jim. <laughs> so, so with visits, usually the uh, biological parent um, confirms ahead of time. And then, you know, so then there's a whole waiting process. Are they confirming? Oh, they should have confirmed by now. What's going on? Are they going to confirm in a little bit? And, you know. And then, and then are they going to show up and what's going to happen? What's they're going to, you know, it's just, there's a lot of uncertainty when it comes to that. Absolutely. It's been a few years since we adopted our son. Um, but those, those visits, you know, we would do those a few times a week, like three times a week, you know, cause he was a baby up until three years old and there were many surprises <laughs> and so I know what you mean by that too, Eugene, about just like, yeah, what? you know, how do you even plan? But I think that's one of the, the surprises for me personally, too, which surprised myself, which was being more capable than I thought I was, because I don't, I don't want to live in uncertainty, you know, and I want to try and I want to be in control of, of certain things. But there was a lot of being out of control. And surprisingly, you know, it was as hard as it was in some ways, it was also life-giving in another to like, let go of that control and, and be okay, you know? And, and so, and another surprise for me, I think is the other family that we've, we've uh, um, gotten through the process too. So not only in adopting our son, but he had biological siblings that were adopted by another family and we now all are a family because we they they live pretty close and so we see them frequently and it's all one family so and that's a beautiful thing to me and that's surprising that that's beautiful and um a, a hard surprise i mean this this kind of goes back to the hospitality idea of where it still feels in that realm because we're still doing visits because we did an open adoption. So we're still doing visits with uh, his biological mother. And um, that's, that can sometimes be a struggle personally, you know, just like, Oh, what, you know, I, I could just not expose him to any of that and then keep him safe and all this. 
but then the the other part of it and what we always knew and why we did open adoption was that we just felt that there was also a, a great benefit to that too and so i am getting surprised by some of the healing that is happening in the process and um the way that that relationship is is evolving uh between us and and his biological mother and and with him so there's a lot of surprises and they they keep coming even when you think they're they're you're done with them they keep coming <laughs> but ultimately they've all been positive uh, well not all of them but the ones that I'm remembering right now are positive so that that says something <laughs> by the way Carrie and I have taken a lot of inspiration from you guys you being the grays the uh um, the way you're able to navigate the bio parent relationship, mm. that is a tough situation. It really, really is. And there's times <laughs> that Carrie and I have said, you know, I think the grades do this and it's, and, and you know, we draw sometimes on a couple of stories that you've told, uh, because that's, that's an aspect of it that is, uh, there's no, there is no training for that. I mean, there is, but not really. You, you don't, it's just a, it's such a complex sort of thing. It's just, you just kind of have to, you have to completely swallow all your pride and you just have to be completely focused on what is the best possible thing for this child in this moment. And that's, that's what we do. And that's, uh, that's tough. I do think that's one of the, the aspects of, of, a foster care that isn't often known, right? Is the, um, that you actually sign up for way more welcome than you probably had anticipated or bargained for. I mean, that's something that, that, um, I know of by, by Mandy and her work is I, I, that this, um, this, these, this biological parent component is, is just a big component that, that is, that is there. And, that requires some stretching. So you guys have mentioned in, in this idea of loving the stranger in this way, it being a risk, it being um, something that you're resistant to. There's so much uncertainty. Uh, and then you throw in 2020 and pandemics and, and everything that, that 2020 has thrown at us. Um, and, and I guess one of my questions um even outside of this year, just in general is like, how do you sustain it then? Like, so what, like, what is in place in your life that makes any of this possible for you? Like, how do you sustain this continual um, openness, this, this fighting against resistance that you might feel um, to press into this welcome? Like, how do you, like, it can't just be you. I mean, I'd love all of you. I think you're all superhuman, but I know you're not that superhuman. So like what, yeah. What are some of the things in place in your life that, that make any of this doable? Well, the Nas are superhuman. I mean, that's clear. Um, no, but it, I mean, I, I, I don't, uh, I don't know if this is like the, the softball and the, you know, the, uh, the, and the, and the, the knocking it up. Well, I don't know. I don't know sports references, but <laughs> well, that that's obvious. <laughs> but keep going. This is the softball pitch, which I will now slam dunk. No, um, no. But the church is enormous in that. Um, it, it's it's huge. Uh, the the support that I can I can tell you that Carrie and I have received, um, not just 
not just moral support, but also just actual physical uh, gifts, time, money, um, every type of gift that has that that we've needed at any given moment has showed up, and um, you know we're there's not words. It's just we're 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 beyond grateful, and in all honesty, um, you know, I mean, we you know, we talk about, we talk about James one and, and what is that loving the, loving the widow, loving the orphan. And what, what, what does that mean in contemporary United States? And I feel like our family has been able to receive that, that love, that, that, that James one love from our, from our body of believers, which is incredible. I mean, you mentioned the, um, the pandemic, uh, as soon as you said that, you know, like 2020, like what's this, What's this been like? Um, when all the lockdown stuff started, I I think I think it was like on social media or something. I, I even put out a note um, early on, which said, uh, which is completely true that that children that are in foster care are traumatized children. Every single one. There's not an exception. They're all children that have um, PTSD and routine is one of the ways that children find stability and 2020 especially the first half of 2020 was the opposite of that it was just everything thrown into uh, you know adults are just throwing their hands up i don't know what's going on maybe you'll be at home i you know and that was tough for our kids and for our family like that you could just see that that insecurity sort of welling up um and in those sorts of moments whether it be through the through the internet or through screens or whatever um those church relationships are key i mean it's 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 huge is in establishing that stability yeah i mean that that is while you're answering that jeremy i mean i was thinking i was just like yeah i i know people do this without who aren't part of a church who don't have a church family but i don't know how because that for us it was it was that was absolutely necessary, you know, was, was that, or, so I know it can be done, but, but I'm so grateful that I didn't have to try and do it without the church because yeah, all those things made it possible. And, and again, it was a good, uh, a good lesson for me in that process of all the lessons that I've learned in, in this process. That was another one of them of like being, accepting of of hospitality from from the church to help maintain all this right um but yeah and i think i think another part of my answer to what i was thinking before jeremy gave the right answer was um (laughs) was just and and it it sounds cheesy it sounds cheesy but it, it really is real to me but it's just like that love for that child you know it's like that love is so strong and so powerful that it's it's going to make me do things that I didn't think I could do, that I didn't want to do, all that kind of stuff. And so again, it's these these real big lessons in the world. And so it's like you know, love is the answer, right? But it is it is in that sense of just like made it possible, you know, makes things possible. 
Yeah, when you ask that question uh, in my head, I'm like, sustain, what sustains me? I don't know. Like, I'm tired right now. <laughs> so, like, right. I'm, like, I'm tired. I, I need a nap. I need to go to sleep. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, here but, you, and here you are with us. Sorry. <laughs> but what Jeff was saying was that, you know, I, I think that's true. Like, for us, we went from two kids to three kids, right? And then, you know, and, and it's just more work, but like, people have done that. Right. And then, and then once the kids are with you, then, then you just, you know, yeah, that it's just natural. We're going to take care of them. Right. And then we're going to do our best to like protect them from whatever. Right. And then, so if it did go from three to four, which I don't know if that's going to happen. Right. But (laughs) (laughs) if it did, then I'm sure like we'd be like everybody else in the history of the world who has gone from three to four kids right so I, I don't know but I, I would definitely agree we've gotten a lot of support from church um just different things like we've gotten a, a meal train uh in the past uh, few weeks that some ladies have have, have organized um ken and brownie brown have been mm. um you know they've babysat for our foster kids um or our kids when they uh when we've had visits and different things going on because the visits are difficult, right? To like, what do you do with your other kids during the time and stuff like that? So then right. we had to figure that out. Um, I don't know. We, we had like Steve and Cindy Toller just come over and pray for our two-year-old when we thought he was going to reunify and we were mm-hmm. sure he was going to reunify and then he didn't. And then we don't know what's going to happen still, but uh, it was just like, just um, yeah, people praying for us and just supporting and, you know, we've gotten some some foster dads <laughs> that could get together, and you know, I just find that like, uh, I don't know, I just find the support uh, just very encouraging. It, it's just like, I don't know, that there's something about walking this this walk which is other foster dads can understand, and then I, I, I've appreciated that support network at church. Yeah, which makes me wonder what. So what else could we be doing? And by the we, I'm thinking of of the community. I'm thinking of the church as as you have have given yourselves, your lives to to living into God's welcome in this way. Certainly, there's a community of people who I would say are called to probably follow your example, but also to um, support what you're doing. So what do you think that looks like? I mean, you've named some things, prayer, even things like meals, uh, watching your kids. Um, but are there other things we could be doing? Like, wh- yeah, what, what's, what are the needs? How could we, how could we be there with you in it? I mean, I, this isn't exactly what you're asking, but, um, honestly, one you're of the, gonna, this is what you always so do. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to derail. No. <laughs> Um, That's a good question, Daniel, but here's me, an even better I question. I, I think <laughs> I know what you want to say. I'm used to it. I'm used to it. That's fine. No. Um, I mean, in all honesty, uh, you know, years ago, we we always uh, would look at, at John Moore as the guy who was the, uh, you know, he was sort of the, 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 the shepherd on the hill with the, with the mighty staff of, you know, just in, encouraging others to, to, to become involved in foster care at at whatever capacity um honestly consider becoming a resource parent um one of the one of the most (laughs) i mean i i I hate to be so obvious but one of the one of the one of the best most amazing ways that you could help the foster community is to is to actually 
full on just join the ranks. Um, you, uh, I, we, we were, this is another thing that we were talking about as a family tonight, uh, over dinner, which was, uh, you know, the fact that we're not special people. I mean, not really. I, we're, we're, there's, there's, there's not like some, some, you know, pixie dust floating over our heads that like, oh, you're the type of person that's not really it. it. It's just, it's, it's, um, I mean, for some people, yeah, it's an impossibility. It's not as, it's not as impossible as maybe people think it is. And, uh, it's just, um, I mean, the need is profound. The need is profound in Los Angeles County. The, the need is insane. Um, so anyway, I, I'm, I'm not trying to guilt anyone or anything like that, but if you have an inkling that maybe it's something that you would be interested in even thinking about, um, ask questions, ask me, Eugene, Jeff, um, we'll be happy to, we'll be happy to tell you, we won't hold back, uh, but think about it. But to, so kind of pushing back on that idea, Jeremy, people are going to hear that and say, no. I know you just told me that I'm, I, I know that you just told me I'm, I, I don't have to be a special person, but I feel like I do. Like, I feel like I need to be a special person. So I'm wondering if you, like others of you, the uh, Eugene and Jeff too, you can speak to that, like even a little bit more strongly, right? Like a um, to somebody who's thinking like, I just don't know if I, if I can, but you guys all did it and you didn't have it mapped out and you didn't know what it was going to be like and, and yes it involved risk and you were resistant to it but i mean speak to that a little bit more so to those people who think i can't do that well i mean another part of that is being i mean there's all these other kind of ways to support that maybe get you closer into that and then you can kind of see for yourself right whether or not like the things like Jeremy was saying, you know, just being supportive around the community and then whether being a CASA, which is, you know, like, you know, being an advocate for, for children without actually taking in a, a foster child or, you know, all those other ways that, that you could help foster families and then see more for yourself how unspecial we are. <laughs> 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 that's true that's a good point um well one of the most significant things that was told to me by one of the trainings i went to i remember they were saying you know if, if you're someone who uh you know is hesitant to go into to foster care because you're scared of like the uh, emo emotional like uh turmoil and just the toll that it would take on you uh then you're the kind of foster parent that we need, right? Because uh, we need people who uh, will will bond and, and, and try to bond with the kids, right? And and the, the kids, that's what kids need, right? They need to be able to bond with an, a, a parent figure and, and you know, and, and back, right? And so um, we kind of take that on, right? And, and uh, we take on the possibility of, you know, uh, we know that we're going to, we're going to be sad and we're going to mourn if, if there is something that happens, you know, uh, whether it's reunification or whatever. Um, and, uh, but we take that on because we know it's, it's, it's good for the kids. So it, it's kind of like if someone is hesitant, uh, to, um, 
you know, experience like sadness or like the emotional toll, they're kind of like the, the perfect person, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And, and and I don't want to sugarcoat it. It's like I don't want to say you know, foster care is for everybody because it's like I don't want to say, hey, the water's great, right? And jump on mm-hmm. in, and then they get in and like, what is going on here? Right? Yeah. I don't want to be responsible for that, right? But. Uh, <laughs> But so then you, you kind of go, you have to go in like, you know, with open eyes, but yeah, if I, I just feel like, um, yeah, the, uh, the, those are the kind of people we need. And when it comes to the, um, the physical nature of like foster care, it, it, it is, it's the same as what everybody has done for centuries. Right. So if, if you are able if to like feed a child, change a diaper, you know, provide clothes, you know, provide a safe home, you know, you're doing what everybody has done for like thousands and thousands of years. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's other than the emotional toll, I, I feel like it's like, it's the same as what everybody else has done with every other kid everywhere. You know, there there's, and I realize I, I led with the big one, which has become a foster parent, but yes, there is all sorts of things that you can do to help the, uh, the foster community, even at church. Um, a big aspect of the of being a foster parent is the fact that you're pulled in a lot of directions time-wise. Um, there's a lot of court dates that you have to be at. There's a lot of bio-parent visits that you have to kind of not just, you know, have your have the children there at, but also sometimes even monitor and, and things like that. It becomes like this, this scheduling... I don't know, whatever, Jenga. It's just, it's, it's almost impossible sometimes. Um, there, if, if you, if you know, foster a foster family, uh, they may not be relating to you all the scheduling insanity that they're dealing with, but it is substantial. So even just little things like, Oh, by the way, I know you've got to do this thing at a bio parent visit. Um, you need someone to pick these kids up on Wednesdays or something like that from school and get them from here to there? Or, you know, do you need just some kind of scheduling help with anything huge to, to foster parents and, and, and the, in our church community. And it's something I don't know that maybe necessarily you would think of, but yeah, there's just, especially when it comes to be court date time, there's so many things to try and manage in terms of schedules. So yeah, we could use the help. Hmm. That's good. It makes me think of, you know, it's Grace, the Grace Long Beach context specifically, like um, it, it, making sure that there are ways, and, and I'm saying this because when I say making sure, I'm, I am, I am responsible, um, making sure that there are ways of connecting the resources specifically to those who are uh, fostering and, and knowing both the needs and also um, making it possible for people to meet those needs. So I really appreciate what you guys have shared. I think that's really important for us to know um, how to get involved. But also, I, I do take the call seriously, um, though you started off big with that, Jeremy. You all hit in that in some ways. Like, no, like I do think that there are there are ways that perhaps we're being called, right, even if we're not aware of it. Um, and, and I guess to wrap this conversation up a little bit, I, I just want to – uh, I want you guys to be thinking of, is there any, are there any final things you'd like to share um, about 
this idea of of being welcoming to displaced children through foster and adopt and as it connects to hospitality but bef- you can think about that and I want to I want to share these words as I've listened to you um, what I feel challenged by are a couple things one one of the things that that you guys have have said over and over and over again is again which I keep coming back to is this idea of of risk and resistance that you cannot I get living a life that is that is wanting to live into God's welcome it 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 doesn't mean that those things won't exist. The question becomes, okay, well, what do we, what do we then do with that? Like, what do we then do with the risks, and what do we do with the resistance? If it's going to be there, okay. The other thing is this sense of of it requires a, a loosening of a vision, I guess, of what you think something will be. Uh, you can't map this thing out, right? It requires that you live in the midst of uncertainty, which I think means that it, there are some actual the practices or community that needs to sustain some of that uncertainty and help you live within it. Um, but then also, I am so struck by each of you saying that it kind of began with a certain sense of a just being attentive. Like you just, your eyes were open and you, it wasn't like, oh, I have the strong burning or Oh, I'm called in this way. Your your eyes were open, and and I can't. Eugene, you said this like I think way back in the conversation that kind of the mundane sense of it, the mundane reality is well. Here's a need, I can meet it. So why wouldn't I? And as I think about the gospel, and as I think about how God has made us and what He's pushing us toward in terms of being those types of people, is having our eyes open seeing the needs before us and saying, okay, I don't know where this is going to go. I have no idea how my life is going to be changed. I don't know what surprises are going to be there along the way, but I'm going to take this step. So I'm grateful for you three uh, and the example that you show me and others and the way that you embody um, just that incredible welcome but before we end, are there final final words? You you um, any call any you know any sense of encouragement? Any requests that you have for people who are listening? Yeah, um, so you were mentioning mentioning uh, risk, right? And and I think I mentioned you know just the step of faith that I felt like this was at the way beginning. And uh, what what encourages me in that in taking the risk is just um, the thought that this is God's heart, right? So like in, in Psalm 68, you know, God is called a, a father of the fatherless, right? And he puts the lonely in families. And um, and to me, it's kind of like this is God cares for these kids, right? And so w- when I consider, okay, this is a risk. I don't know what is going to come, what kind of child is going to come into my house and what what relationships that's going to, what other people that's going to bring in, you know? Um and it is a risk, but I, I do feel like I can take that step of faith because I, I, I know that this is God's heart and I know that this is what he would want. So then I take it because I know this is like, this is what he wants. And I don't know. That's beautiful. If you know if that's God's heart and you take that risk and take that step, I mean, he's there, right? He, he, he's there in it. Thank you, Eugene. Yeah, I think I think that is that is very good, Eugene. And I think that is uh, you know, what has taught me more about 
God's heart is just by the the little that I know and then and then doing that and and like I said before like through foster care like understanding understanding really what the Bible is saying understanding really what what Daniel's preaching on Sundays or things like that is because of that I mean not only that but but that has taught me the the lessons of who God is by taking those risks and and just doing it and knowing that of like okay i i've i'm scared about this or i'm resistant to this but um just gonna do it and and you know just just believe that it's gonna work out whatever that means right and whatever that means is a lot of different things for working out but i think working out really just means of like that god will bless that in in one way or another right and so for every family that I've seen, that is that has been the case. That doesn't mean that they've all adopted children from foster care or something, but of just like that there is that their lives have been changed for the better um, as as a result of taking that risk. And that's that's a beautiful thing because how many risks are like that, right? Yeah, you know, I I um I don't know that everyone was raised in the type of church that I was raised in, but. There is like this feeling that like, unless you're in some sort of pain, you're probably not really serving God or something like that, you know, um, that what God really wants is for you to just be uncomfortable all the time. And I think there's a side of that where, you know, speaking to what Jeff and Eugene were saying, where, yeah, you got to be willing to be uncomfortable. I mean, you know, this is hard no one there is no foster parent that's going to be like oh my gosh it's it's pretty great it is actually a breeze it's not it's <laughs> it's uh it's 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 tough work and it's it's frustrating and depending on the type of court case that you know you're you're you know your whatever given child is in the midst of a lot of it just it feels like a one step forward two steps back sometimes and you know there's just there's there's a lot of things but man there is a lot of joy too. There really is. And if you can sort of grab onto that and know that, that this isn't all pain and it isn't all, I mean, you know, it's a lot of work, but, but at the end of the day, our, you know, our, our, our 13 year old, again, we were having our foster, you know, like hundred foot discussion tonight, you know, with, with the kids and, uh, and our 13 year old tonight said something along the lines of, it's so funny how people think that foster kids are bad kids. We're just, you know, and she just kind of looked around and the, and the other two kids, they kind of laugh like, yeah, what, you know, we're just children, you know, and that's, it's not, it's nothing. It's really nothing mysterious. Um, I, 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 I will say that there was uh, a part of me all along, you know, and when I say all along, I mean, you know, for most of my life that, you have the sort of Christian guilt of, I know I could be doing more, you know? I know that I can be, I should be spending more time in prayer and I know I should be spending more time in scripture and I should be volunteering over here and, and that kind of thing. And there's always, always this kind of low hum kind of guilt about I'm not doing all the things that I'm sure God wants me to do. Um, making a choice and getting involved with displaced children, the experience of it um, is, it's, it's really, 
it's a really, really specific sort of thing because it's kind of nice actually to look at like, well, this one area of life, I feel like, I feel like I'm being obedient here, you know? And that's, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't have a better way to put that, but just, um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's satisfying. And at the same time, on top of it, you get the not constant, but <laughs> the occasional joy of having a relationship with these children. And, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'll, it's, it's, it's really, really something that, yeah, absolutely. It's a risk and it's frustrating and it's, there's days that it's maddening. And I, I'll be honest, there's days that you even regret it a little bit. Like you're like, I don't know that I should have gotten into this thing, man, but it is worth it. And you and you find that out in time, you find out that it's, that it's worth it, that living in that obedience, it's worth it. Well, thanks to all of you for living into that obedience and honestly for being, for embodying the welcome of God and being an example of that welcome um, for me, uh, for Grace, for the people around you. Um, I do think that, I, I think that you in your lives, uh, your families, um, if, if people are wondering, so what is, what is God like? What, is, what does it mean that God is a welcoming, inviting God? Uh, I think that pointing to your your families is an answer to that question. So grateful for, for the three of you, grateful for this conversation. Thanks for being willing to have it. And um, yeah, that's that's our time. And love you guys. You're the best. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for Thank having you. us.